Oasis of Wisdom Bible Church, the church of a distant Christian generation. We commence the teaching today with a brief review of last week's study that we also touch on the previous studies we have taken on growing in the knowledge of God and then trusting the Lord that we are going to draw the curtain on the subject and receiving grace of him of a deeper depth of revelation knowledge and higher height of faith in the coming year so shall it be in the name of Jesus we are so so much grateful for how the Lord has never ceased feeding us with fresh bread of heaven all through the 52 weeks of this year now where those <laughs> revelations were coming from must be God and no one else and so we return all the glory to him for all that he has done with us through this service all through the year now last week we focused the searchlight of the study on the unbeatable spiritual profile the height that apostle paul attained in god through his pursuit of the excellency of the knowledge of christ so Paul, extraordinary spiritual height we noticed was a combination of divine orchestration. Apostle Paul will be the last person to be considered as a candidate of heaven. Now, he did not only end up as a candidate of heaven, he was also a man that God used tremendously to bring so many people into the kingdom. So, it was an act of God, a divine orchestration. Then, he did not leave it at that. Like we said, he didn't stop at the gate of divine encounter. He assessed other gates that lead to spiritual growth. So, he also attained that height, not only by divine orchestration, but also through deliberate adherence to the principle of learning to grow. He adhered to the principle of learning to grow. He never allowed anything whatsoever quench his test for spiritual growth so drawing from his experience we can conclusively say that you can't grow without learning no matter your level of divine encounter spiritual gifting okay and uh, manifestation you can't actually achieve appreciable growth without learning so apostle paul was an ex was an excellent Christian because he learned. He started with learning under Gamaliel, where he acquired so much head knowledge. Then he encountered the, he, he encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus. Then he didn't say now that I have encountered Jesus. Okay, he pushed further in his pursuit for spiritual growth, in his pursuit for knowing Christ. He, 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 he. he he gathered so much experiences. So, he was a man so rich in experience. And then, he never stopped at that. He continued to learn. To the degree that, after 14 years of ministry, he had to go again for a refresher course. If you read Galatians chapter 2, okay? Under Apostle Peter and others that have been in faith before him. He went and submitted the teachings he has been, done, he has been doing over the years. Okay, <laughs> to the people that were ahead of him. It's more or less like somebody going for a refresher course. Okay, under more experienced people. So he never stopped learning. Now, his purpose for seeking knowledge, 
Okay, is the springboard for today's teaching. Trusting the Lord that uh, we are going to help on a note that will be of a tremendous blessing to our soul. In the name of Jesus. So, what was his purpose for seeking knowledge? I would like us to compare Philippians 3 verse 8 and 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verses 1 and 2. Philippians 3 8, he said, Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. He was prepared to give up anything, everything. He was prepared to sacrifice all. He was prepared to put aside every form of distraction. Even those things that could serve as personal benefits to him. He was prepared to sacrifice all. To achieve what? To gain the knowledge of the excellency of Christ. He said, Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but laws for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of how many things? Can you see that verse of the Bible? Loss of all things. And do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. I asked that question last week. What are you prepared okay, to give up just for you to gain Christ? Then 1 Corinthians 2, verse 1 and 2. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. So, in these two scriptures, we can identify two types of aspiration. Now, in Philippians 3.8, we identify the aspiration to know. So he has an aspiration, and what was that aspiration? The aspiration to know. The aspiration to gain the knowledge of the excellency of Christ. He wanted to have an excellent knowledge about Christ. He has an aspiration to know. Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1 and 2, he went to some people and he said, I, ask, I have a mission. I have an aspiration. I have a goal. There's a target I want to achieve. I also want you to also know. So, in the two scriptures, Okay, in one, it talks about the excellency of the knowledge of Christ. On the other, on the second scripture, it talks to them and he said, I have not come with excellency of speech or of wisdom of men. Are we together? So, which means the knowledge he appreciates more is the knowledge of the excellency of, is the excellent knowledge of Christ, not the human wisdom. And so when he went to the Corinthians, he was saying to them, I have not come to come and prove head knowledge. I have not come to come and impress you. I have come so that you can also come to the excellency of the knowledge of Christ. So, the first, in the first, we saw aspiration to personally know. In the second scripture, we saw the aspiration to let others know. That's a well-grounded Christian. But the question now is, what do you want to know? And what is it that you want others to know? For Paul, it was Christ and nothing more. So, Paul did not seek knowledge to impress. He did not seek knowledge to oppress others. But what did he do? He sought knowledge to improve himself. That was his starting point. He sought knowledge to do what? To improve himself. He sought to be excellent in knowledge. But he never made proving so his objective for preaching. He sought to be excellent in knowledge. And he gained excellent knowledge of Christ. But try to prove it that I know 
better than you. I have deeper revelation than any other person was never his objective. So, from here we can conclude that he did not want others to know that he knows. He wanted others to know, but not that he wanted others to know that he knows. You see, you can't minister Christ to people when your objective, okay, is to prove to them that you know. <laughs> Are we together? So, he did not want others to know that he knows. So, when he went to the people of Corinth, okay, he said to them, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom. They carry unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. So, he did not want others to know that he, that he knows. He only wanted them to know whom he knows. So, he didn't go there to let them know that he knows. But rather, he was with them so that they can know the person that he knows. If the people know whom you know, they will know what you know. So, your primary assignment is not to prove knowledge to people, but to reveal Christ to them. That should be the sole objective of every preacher, revealing Christ. So, the reason the spiritual growth was phenomenal was because First, he achieved personal growth by what he learned. He had a, pheno a phenomenal spiritual growth because he achieved personal growth by what he learned. So, when he opened the scripture to study, he was studying first to apply it to himself. Not just looking for what he will preach to people. Not just looking for what he will share in Bible study. Hello? So, his goal was personal growth, not public fame. His second goal was unveiling, unveiling Christ, not displaying talent. He said, when I came, I didn't come, I didn't come with excellency of speech. I didn't come to display the wisdom of men. So his first goal okay, for seeking the knowledge of Christ is for his own personal growth, not for public fame. Then he has a second goal, which also is primary, to unveil Christ, not to display talent. So, there is so much display of talent on the pulpit, oratory prowess, and all manner, <laughs> all manner of glamour and grammar that is not yielding to the knowledge of Christ. So, so much Christless messages, so much marketing strategy, okay, that is projecting the man of God, that is projecting the ministry, but it's not unveiling Christ. May God bring us to that level, whereby like Apostle Paul, we will preach to unveil Christ, not to market our talent. So, there are degrees of God's knowledge. So, this is where we are going to be rounding up for on this subject. Degrees of God's knowledge. The knowledge of God has gradients. We are not all operating at the same level. We are not all in the same bracket. But we must all seek to attain the peak that is available. Apostle Paul said that I may know him. So, the knowledge of Christ has a pyramid shape. You know what a pyramid is? At the base, it's large. It can accommodate so many people. But as you go higher, the space is becoming narrower and accommodating few people. So, at the apex of the pyramid is Christ. And that's why all of us, at whatever position we are, either at the base or higher up than others, we still have Christ at the apex to look up to. That's what the scripture says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. 
So nobody should come to that understanding that I have stayed long enough in Christ. I have stayed so long in church. I have stayed so long studying the Bible that I cannot beat my chest now. It's time to rest. There is no more any new thing to know. Never will come to that level. So consider our pursuit of the knowledge of Christ, our pursuit of the knowledge of God like a pyramid. So your general overshare is not at the apex. Are we together? Christ is what? At the apex. Your general overshare may be somewhere ahead of you. Okay? But he is still at a level whereby he is still looking up at the apex where we have Christ. And that was why Apostle Paul, having gained so much revelation, insight, and knowledge, he concluded by saying, Be ye followers of me as I am of Christ. I pray that I will not come to a point whereby I will stand between you, okay, and the knowledge of Christ. I will not come to a point where I will block your view of Christ. Are we together? So you are a discipler. You are somebody that God is using to bring up another person in the law. Never you, never you shield the people from Christ. Never get to a level whereby you block their view of Christ. So, the knowledge of God has a gradient. It has a pyramid shape with Christ at the apex point. So, we must not at any point in our knowledge of God play two and consider that level we have attained as the ultimate knowledge. So, the graph is a gradient with no stoppage point. The graph of spiritual growth, okay, is a gradient with no stoppage point. So, any attempt for you to stop will lead to stunted growth and eventual drawing back. Now, it's like you are climbing a very steep cliff, a very steep mountain, okay? The best you can do, the only option available to you is to keep pushing up. Any attempt for you to say you are going to stop, what will happen is that uh, you are going to fall. Say, I will not stop. Therefore, I will not fall. That should be your understanding of the pursuit of growth in Christ. It's like you are climbing a very steep mountain. So, the only option available that you have is for you to keep pushing up. Any attempt for you to think, I will stop, then you fall. Say, I will not stop. Therefore, I will not fall. Grace will help me. So, you hanker on Christ and you keep pushing up and pushing up and pushing up so that you don't fall. Because if you stop, you will fall. Say, I will not fall. So, the question now is where are you on this gradient of spiritual growth? And I will show you different gradient points that a number of believers occupy. And I will recommend to you the type of gradient points that will help you to keep pushing up. Number one, are you the long in faith but confused Galatia? You are not just coming into the Lord. You have known the Lord. You have received the gospel. You have stayed long enough, but still you are confused. But still you can't discern error from the truth. But still you can't discern between nutrient and poison. Every dossier the Lord is the gospel to you. Hello? Every new trend is the way to heaven. And gradually and gradually, you are getting deceived, confused, and you are missing it. So, that is a class of people on this gradient. They long in faith, but confused. Apostle Paul had to speak to the Galatian church. Are you so 
are ye so foolish, having begun in the spirit, are ye now made perfect by the flesh? So they started in the spirit, but they were heading up in the flesh. You will not end up in the flesh. The procedure is that you may start in the flesh, but you have to end up in the spirit. It's not an error to start in the flesh, but a big error for you to have been in the spirit and now return to the flesh. That will not be your testimony in the name of Jesus. So, Apostle Paul queried their long standing in faith, but poor knowledge of Christ. In such a way that anybody can just come and get them deceived and confused. So, today, we have many people in church who can tell the history of Christianity, but not the testimony of their personal work with Christ. They can tell the story, the history of Christianity, but not the testimony of their personal work with Christ. And what is most important is your personal work with Christ. What's the, what's the testimony of your personal work with Christ? Not the years that we started Wisdom of Wisdom Bible Church. I was there. Hello? Not the story of uh, when Christianity first entered our village. Okay? It was uh, before my high Korokoro. Now, this Christ, what is the testimony of your personal work with him? That's what matters. Are we together? Second category, are you the great in gifts but carnal Corinthian Christians? So, the Corinthian church embraced the charisma, but they failed in developing character. Issues that has to do with morality was still a big problem in the church of Corinth, yet they speak in tongues. Yeah, they gather to pray for the sick. Are we together? And so, Apostle Paul writing to them, when he saw their state, he knew that they needed to upgrade. Tell your neighbor you need to upgrade. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1, 2 and 3, Paul said, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual. Yet, there were people speaking in tongues. And Apostle Paul was still saying, With all your speaking in tongues, I can say you are not spiritual. There are prophets among them prophesying. In fact, it come to a level whereby speaking in tongues and prophecy was a competition. That Apostle Paul had to introduce other and said, when you prophesy, everybody should not be speaking at the same time. Let one person speak and another person, uh, the other person listen. Take turn to do it. Not everybody will stand to compete and say, I can do it better than others. My vision is sharper than the other man's vision. No, don't do that. Such was... The great manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit. Yet, Apostle Paul, look at their character. Look at their conduct. Look at their private life of, of, of uprightness. The issue of godliness. And conclude and say, mm, you may speak all the tongues in this world. There is no love among you. You are just like a clinging simba. If you go to, if you go to Deba chapter 13, that's why he was telling them. You can sacrifice your, your, your life. To make sure that the work of the church progress. But yet, the fundamental issues of godliness. On the fundamental issues of righteousness. You are slacking very greatly. So he said, with all your charisma, I cannot consider you as spiritual. But anybody that gives prophecy today, anybody that speaks tongues today, is a spiritual person. To us. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto Twitter, but as unto Cana. Even as unto babes in Christ, I have fed you with me and not with me. For either though you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able. For you are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envy and strife and division, are you not carnal and walk as men? That's a level. That's a portion on the gradient. That's a portion in the pyramid. 
Tell somebody, upgrade. So, from here, we can say that not all gifted Christians are great Christians. Not all Christians that exercise the gift of the Holy Spirit will God mark and approve as great Christians. Paul said to them, you are still very, very carnal. I cannot say you are spiritually minded people. So, not all charismatic Christians are Christ-like Christians. That's why you still have the issue of infidelity around great preachers. That's where you still have the issue of infidelity around great mistress who can lead worship and heaven will come down literally. Why? Not all charismatic Christians are Christ-like Christians. So don't be deceived. When you are exercising the gift of the Holy Spirit to think that all is well, you have reached the Eldorado. You need to upgrade. You need to give attention to your personal life. You need to give attention to your personal work with Christ. Am I talking to somebody? Because somebody will say, if I'm not right, if I'm not okay, why is it that when I preach, people are still falling down under the anointing? You can be great in gifts and not yet a great Christian. Three. So which means, therefore, there should be no point when you will, when you will withdraw from the school of seeking the knowledge of Christ. There should be no point when you will retire yourself or graduate yourself out of the school of seeking the knowledge of the excellency of Christ. So, three, are you the flesh-controlled Romans 7 Christian? I read verse 14 and 15 of Romans 7. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do, for that which I do, I allow not. For what I would that I do, I not. But what I ate, that is what I do. That's another stage, okay? In the gradient of the pyramid <laughs> of growth in Christ, whereby you are still struggling. You don't want to be carnal, but yet you are displaying carnality. You are tired of masturbation, but you can't help it. Somebody will receive grace that will help you to overcome in the name of Jesus. Okay? You don't want to lie, but it flows naturally. So the things you hate to do, the things you wish you will overcome, they are the things that come up with you naturally. It looks like the environment of this is your natural habitat. You wish you have features to survive outside the environment of sin. But it's not just coming up. I mean, you can't just do it. Now, you will have that problem if you stay put at the realm of head knowledge. You just stay with the letter. You just want to be legalistic. You just give yourself rules of do's uh, and don'ts. And you are not relying on the Holy Spirit to help you. Are we together? So that's the reason you will have that problem. So if you stay put at the realm of head knowledge and you neglect the role of the Holy Spirit, you are at the risk of remaining a flesh control, struggling Christian. You know the difference between good and evil, but you have no spiritual capacity to do the good. May you encounter Christ. May you receive the help of the Holy Spirit to mortify the deeds of the flesh. Now, the fourth category. Are you the spirit control Romans 8 Christian? And you can become the spirit control Christian if you follow the example of Apostle Paul that we have spoken about. Romans 8, 12 and 14. 12, 13 and 14. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. The flesh will no longer compel you into obedience. In the name of Jesus, you are not a debtor to the flesh. Because whatever demand the flesh may be making of you, Christ had paid for it. Are we together? For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. 
But if you through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. So our problem is that the moment we got baptized in the Holy Spirit, we think it is just about it's just about exercising the gift for ministry. Okay, we don't give attention to the primary role of the Holy Spirit, helping us to mortify the deeds of the flesh. Are we together? So, there is a work of the Holy Spirit in you, okay, before the work, before the work of the Holy Spirit using you to help others, to minister to others. Many of us understand the Holy Spirit as a helper to minister, not a helper to first and foremost mortify the deeds of the flesh, improve ourselves. Are we together? I told you about the two purposes of, purposes of Paul in seeking the excellency of the knowledge of Christ. One, for personal growth and development. And secondly, to unveil Christ to others. So, he first gave it and gave attention to himself. Now, verse 14, I say, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. They are the sons of God. Conclusion. So, this is my counsel and advice as we round up. Don't be the gullible, the easy to manipulate Thessalonians. The Thessalonians are another category. They are very gullible. They are easy to manipulate. Okay. Uh, 100%, 100 uh, alcohol. Somebody can remove the label and put non-alcoholic uh, and hand it over to them and say, this is Holy Ghost wine. And, then, and while they are drinking it, okay, they will not, they will not consider the smell. Ah, this thing is smelling alcohol. They say, no. Our pastor said it is non-alcoholic. Uh, and the evidence is proving otherwise. Yet, they will be so gullible swallowing the error of their pastor. Are we together? Those are the Thessalonian church. So, what I recommend to you is to make effort to be the world-rooted, well-grounded Bereans. Acts 17, verse 10 and 11. And the brethren immediately sent away Paul, and silenced by night unto Berea, who coming either went into the synagogue of the Jews. So, Apostle Paul and his colleagues were first in the Thessalonian church. The Thessalonian people had received them. Some other people came, manipulated them, and Paul had to escape from there. Now he came to the Berean. And the Bible says, And the brethren they sent away Paul, and silenced by night unto Berea, who coming either went into the synagogue of the Jews. And this is the report of Paul about them according to the account of luke who wrote the acts of the apostle these were more noble than those in thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness of mind now they didn't stop that and search the scripture after i have taught you do you go back home to search the scripture no, you can't grow by only the things that i'm teaching you you also have to you you can achieve growth and better growth by deliberate search of the scripture personal search of the scripture so they received the word with readiness of mind then they took a step further they searched the scripture daily whether those things were so my prayer is that grace will come upon you that you will make maximum profit from all this teaching the objective has been growing in the knowledge of God. The Lord bless you. Cause his face to shine upon you. In Jesus name. 
We believe you'll be blessed by the ministry of this message. You will do well to be the doer of all you've heard. For further inquiry and spiritual help, contact this number: zero eight zero three five six eight five eight eight two, or worship with us at Oasis of Wisdom Bible Church, Adjacent University of Ilorin Teaching Hospital, Okelse Ilorin. God bless you.